Blog Talk Radio. John with the Lightship Power Ministries Radio and my heart is so heavy tonight today is June 13th 2020 my heart is heavy tonight because folks here we go again here we go again believe it or not it has happened again it just will not stop. And of course, I'm talking about another unarmed black man killed by police and it's captured on video. This time, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, all the protests the last 14, 15 days, 16 days, I believe it is, because of the killing the unjust killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and now police officers in Atlanta, Georgia, have killed Rayshard Brooks, a 27-year-old man. Last night on the 12th, they killed him. And, of course, the video was released today on the 13th in Atlanta, it's just people there are extremely upset. People there are protesting. People there are hurting. People all over the country are hurting. I am hurting. I saw that video today, and Lord have mercy, help us all. You know, and the reason why I'm coming to you with these uh Several, the last several episodes have totally been about the news and what's going on with social justice or injustice, however you want to view it, in this country and with the with the the unity campaign is what I call it, where you see so many of our white brothers and sisters coming out with our black brothers and sisters demanding change, demanding police reform. Demanding social justice Demanding that there be changes Demanding that this racism In this country, the United States Be disavowed By racists and that Our government will do something To keep the police In check to stop them from Killing us I mean it's It's amazing And you know There are so many corporations right now That are on board 
You know, I just saw tonight that um, the U.S. Embassy in Seoul, Korea, has unveiled a huge Black Matters, Black Life Matters um, flag or poster and hung it on the side of the embassy. And, you know, you have NASCAR yesterday. They banned Confederate flags of any sort coming into their NASCAR races. I mean, who would have thought that NASCAR, of all places, with their history of systemic racism against blacks in this country, who would have thought that NASCAR would be on the tip tipping edge of social change? And I applaud them. And I cannot do this episode without acknowledging their effort and their desire to be a part of the change and not a part of the problem. So kudos to NASCAR. God bless them for that. And of course, uh, race car driver Bubba Watson led the charge for that. He said, hey, look, shouldn't have any of those flags coming in. Those flags, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. I'm kind of paraphrasing with adding my own to uh, my own meaning to what he, he was saying is, hey, that flag is a flag of treason to begin with. I mean, and it's it's a symbol of oppression and of slavery and hurt and pain for many black people, for for black people in general. And so kudos to NASCAR, but this show tonight, I tell you, God help me. I mean, I'm I'm really upset. I saw that video of the killing of Rashard Brooks, and I'm going to get into it, but it's just amazing how little some police officers value the lives of black people. Let's be honest. We all have gone to YouTube and we've seen the videos of white assailants uh, with their hands on guns even and with with one individual had his had a hatchet and the police just backed away to de-escalate that situation saying no, put it down. But our black brothers and sisters, they're not given that opportunity. They're shot Within seconds, they're killed. They're gone. There's no de-escalation. There's only termination. That is a huge problem. I mean, there was even a study that I read about, I believe it was yesterday, where there's video where many cops who are Caucasian talk quite different to Caucasian Suspects in terms of their their demeanor, they're more calm, they're more nice. But when it comes to talking to people of color, far more harsh and and cruel, and matter of fact and heavy handed. That should not be. I mean that that should not be. Now this show isn't about bashing police officers. This show is about what's happening in America. At the hands of police officers I mean would I be doing this show If police officers were not Doing what they're doing of course not So let's I'm not going to pretend That they're not culprits And that they're not the source Of the issue I mean of course There are police officers who go to work every day And they have no ill intentions Toward anybody so I have to be fair And and say that as well But there are many And there was a report last year, there are many police officers who come from the, um, I I, I won't say what I wanted to say, 
because I, I am a gentleman and I'll, I'll be nice, but there are many police officers who have joined police forces, but they come from white supremacy groups or white supremacist groups. That is a fact. There was a study done about this. And it's like no one's paying attention. They see it as, okay, well, that's not a problem. Well, it is a problem because they let that hatred, that bitterness, that evil show up on the job. And so the way they treat people who are different from them or the target of their hatred shows up on the job. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, how many people? There, There's like almost 200 African Americans who've been killed within the last just couple of years by police officers. These people were unarmed. They were ill-treated. And now they're dead. I mean, what are we going to do about that as a country? What are we going to leave the generation behind us? Lord God, help us. I mean, you guys know I pray all the time. And I believe in the Lord. And um, I believe a change is going to come. But, you know, sometimes when you go through change, it's hard to... It's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel because you're going through it. You're going through what appears to be darkness, but at the same time, you have your hope. You have your faith. And you know that the Lord is your shepherd, according to Psalm 23. According to your own life, you know the Lord is your shepherd. You may not see, you may not see that light at the end of the tunnel. You may not see it. But you still hold on to your faith. You still have hope. You still have hope that the goodness of man's heart will appear and they'll do the right thing. And they'll make this place called the United States of America a better place for us all. Because I tell you what, the only way that we're going to make it is that we trust in the Lord and we treat each other how we want to be treated. We treat each other, especially those who call on the name, uh, the name of the Lord Christ. We treat people. We treat each other as if we do have Him. See, the problem is people talk about they're Christians, but their behavior, their attitude, their actions are the complete and total opposite of Christ of Christianity. So basically, all you're doing is maybe going to church. You you don't have any type of conversion, no type of relationship with the master of the universe. You don't. To you, I mean, to many people, Christianity is nothing more than a social club. It's a place to go, and on the third Sunday, maybe you're going to have a, a cookout or you're going to have some type of, of uh, dinner after church with your friends. That's what it is for some people. It's not... It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ and living a life of piety, living a life of holiness. Because the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. That's what that's what the Lord says. That's what he requires. But for some people, it's just a badge. It's, like, it's just like a, a scout badge. Okay, I, I, I said a couple scriptures. I, I told the pastor that, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. Now give me my badge. Okay, great. Now I'm a member. Of the church You're a member of that 
physical church, but you're not a member of the spiritual church. The church we read about in Ephesians 4 with the fivefold ministry, some pastors, some teachers, some prophets, some evangelists, some apostles, you're not a member of that church. You're a member of Baptist Church on a Hill in Shady Grove somewhere or something. You know what I'm saying? It's a social club for you. It's a thing to do for you. It's not a lifestyle. It's not treating and teaching. It's not treating your brother and your sister how they want to be treated. It's not having the love of God in you according to Galatians. It's not walking in the spirit according to Galatians chapter 5. I mean, it's like the only time you show any bit of humility is when you're sitting on that pew for that hour and a half or two hours or whatever it may be. Then when you go out those double doors, you're right back to who we all know you to be. Just a regular common man with no real transformation, with no real encounter. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem in Christianity. We have to be, church, who we say we are. And when we see these injustices, you have to speak up. There's Bible for that. You have to speak up. When you see the poor oppressed and you do nothing, how are you any better? You may as well be the oppressor yourself. When you see that your brother has need and you lift no finger to help your brother, how are you any better? If you say you love your brother, right, but you don't show it, how can you convince your brother that you love him? I mean, you're not showing it because one thing I learned as a very young man, as a child even, is that action speaks louder than words. So all the lip service has to stop, and we have to be the church, the true bride of Christ. With the love of God. If you don't have the love, then you're not a part of the church. I'm sorry, you're just not. Not at all. I mean, you're just playing church. You're playing church. You have to be the church, not play church, not speak about church, but be the church. Oh, my Lord, Lord, help us, help us to humble ourselves and pray and treat each person as we want to be treated and to look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, or as the the translation says, as the perfecter and originator of our faith. That's who we are. That's who we are called to be. All the hatred. And I'm not going to go deep into the history of the, the hatred of Christianity towards certain groups of people. I will at another date, though, because I promised I would do that. But And that's just going to be from a pure educational standpoint. That's not to you know, display any type of malice from my own heart toward people, but just as a matter of education. But we have to be who Christ called us to be, and that is the true body of Christ. Join and knit together by what each joint supplies so that we are edifying each other in love. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But 
as you would expect, the opposite happens. And so for these many decades that black people and minorities have been crying out saying, hey, we're being killed in the streets. Many people have turned a deaf ear and a blind eye. They use this excuse, well, that's an isolated incident. Well, I want someone to tell me what's not an isolated incident. If you if you get into a car accident, that's your that's your isolated incident. But your insurance will still pay to get that car fixed. And so black people have been saying we're underinsured. We don't have the insurance that we need, whereas other groups of people are overinsured. The police help instead of hurt and killed them. The systemic racism keeps us underinsured, whereas other groups of people don't have to worry about that systemic racism. They don't have to worry about things that many African Americans have to worry about. And now we have to worry about going outside, just walking to the park or going to Wendy's and falling asleep in our own cars like Mr. Rayshard Brooks did. I mean, America right now is at a crossroad road. I mean, I'm just really upset. I'm sorry if I don't sound as, as eloquent as I normally do. I'm, I'm trying to keep it together. I'm really aggravated. I'm tired of people getting being killed for no reason. No reason at all. Senseless murders. Let's call it what it is. These are murders. I mean, you think about this. Breonna Taylor killed March 13th, 2020, Louisville, Kentucky. At home, her own home, in her bed, the police had a no-knock order. They barge in. They shoot this woman eight times, killed her, looking for some suspect who was already in jail. Let that think. Let that sink in. And this beautiful, I believe she was 26 years old at the time. She might have been 27. She's gone. A no-knock order. Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky has a history, a history of disenfranchising people. The police department does anyway. And mistreating people in Louisville, Kentucky. You can read it for yourself. Well, think about Tamir Rice, killed November 22nd, 2014. He was only 12 years old. He was at a park. He was at a park playing with a toy gun. Some woman sees him with a toy gun. He's just a kid. Within about, I don't know, four or five seconds, the police get there, and this young man is dead. The police just jumped out, didn't ask any questions, didn't say, hey, come over here, let me talk to you, didn't approach the young man with you know, any type of, of humanity in his heart, he just, if you look at the video, because it's on video, he just jumps out of the car, and he kills Tamir Rice. He blows him away. He's a 12-year-old kid. Don't recall that ever happening to any any other kid that was playing with a toy gun, okay? And if you see a child in a, a toy gun or with a gun, you wouldn't ask him one question. You wouldn't say, hey, drop it. That's what you're trained to do. You're not trained to be Rambo and just jump out of a car and start spraying people. 
You're supposed to give verbal commands. This officer gave no verbal commands. The officer who killed him, I won't speak his name. He was, uh, I believe he was 30 years old, 26 years old, I think. Won't even speak his name. So that was in Cleveland, Ohio, November 22nd, 2014. Infamous that date, November 22nd. November 22nd is also a day that John F. Kennedy was killed. Then you got Michael Brown, of course, August 9th, 2014, in Ferguson, Missouri, killed by the police, and many wit- or several witnesses still say to this day he had his hands up, and he was shot down anyway in the middle of the street. In the middle of the street, allegedly over, they say, taking some, uh, what was it, cigars believe with cigars from a convenience store. <laughs> so lives are worth only cigars now. believe that's what it was. And then, of course, also in Louisville, Kentucky, just last week, you have David McAtee, 53 years old. This man owned a barbecue restaurant. He would often feed the police himself for free. He, he'd give them free food. Feed the police for free. Black man. Being nice. People in the community loved him. They buried him today. Why? Because during a protest, police and National Guardsmen, they decided to shoot into a crowd. Coroner um, concluded that Mr. McAtee was killed by a rifle from the Kentucky National Guard. He's dead. Sandra Bland, Waller County, Texas, July 13, 2015. This woman was stopped in her car, placed in jail. Three days later, they find her body hanging in jail. Now, why would this beautiful young woman kill herself? And they ruled her killing a suicide, which I'll never believe that. July 13, 2015, Sandra Bland, Waller County, Texas, hanging. I tell you. And then, of course, for the last three weeks, all the news has been about Minneapolis, Minnesota, George Floyd, May 25th, 2020. Where a police officer, and I won't say his name either, knelt on Mr. Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes. Choked, he literally choked the life out of him right on video so the world could see, which sparked all the protests all over the world right now for Black Lives Matter. And so many people, hundreds of thousands of people coming out in the streets all over the world protesting police brutality. And we... Colin Kaepernick tried to tell people this about police brutality back in 2016. He was blackballed. He was run out of the NFL. And now, now, if you go on Facebook, you'll see so many apologies to Colin Kaepernick saying, hey, guess what? I was wrong. Now people are waking up. Now they get it that the protests was never about any flag, was never about the military. And I've said this many times, but a Green Beret 
suggested to Colin Kaepernick that he take a knee because he that's more respectful than just sitting on the bench. So Colin Kaepernick was, I mean, not wanting to cause uh, any disrespect. He followed the advice of his Green Beret. And please forgive me, I can't remember the name of the gentleman who did it, who told him that. But you know what? Out of respect, I'm going to find out right now. I'm going to type it in. Green, and I apologize if you can hear my keys. Uh, let's see. I'll tell you his name. Okay, so his name is, and I'm reading this is the Los Angeles Times. It says, uh, okay. Ex Green Beret who inspired Colin Kaepernick to kneel and still sit during the during the anthem. Okay, his name is Nate Boyer. Okay, I'll remember that next time. I, I knew that. I just forgot it. Nate Boyer. And according to this article, article I'm just skimming right now. It says he felt a connection to Colin Kaepernick. And he even had an autographed football that Kaepernick signed and written, of all things, God bless our troops. And the 49ers at the time, because that's who Colin Kaepernick was playing football for, that was Nate Boyer's favorite team. So, you know, the web, you know, if you peel back the layers of an onion, you're going to get to the center. So when you first hear things, you, you know, like protests and Black Lives Matter and you know you hear about other companies who are supporting Black Lives Matter just begin to pull back the layers don't don't assume that it's about protesting is anti-American protesting is one of the most American things you could ever do this country was birthed out of rebellion birthed out of protesting there's nothing more American than protesting being able to voice your opinion peacefully I'm always for the peace Never for violence. You know that. You know that. So, Rashard Brooks, the latest episode in police murder, because that's what it is. I mean, we've had a few um, this year. Too many. One is too many. So, Rashard Brooks last night, yesterday was his daughter's birthday. So the way I understand it, the way I heard today is that, and I heard this through so through uh, media outlet, I believe with CNN, he goes to to a party, and he he leaves the party. He ends up at Wendy's in Atlanta, one of the Wendy's in Atlanta, and so the guy's tired. He might have had a little too many to drink, and he goes to sleep in his car. He's not violent. He's not causing any problems. He has no weapons. He falls asleep at Wendy's. That was his crime. Falls asleep in his car. Not in the lobby of Wendy's. In his car. So someone got the bright idea. Someone, an employee of Wendy's. Let's just call the police. This guy's sleeping in his car. So they call the police. Police get there. There are many witnesses. And, um, I mean, you can see on the videotape. They have him on the ground. They they take him down. So he's out of the car. They take him down. 
and the guy, keep in mind, we just had George Floyd murdered a few weeks ago. The whole world has been uh, in an uproar over George Floyd's murder, which you can see on video. You literally see the life leave this man's body. So I'm, I'm quite certain that Mr. Rashard Brooks is thinking, man, I'm, it's late. I'm at Wendy's. He's probably scared. He's probably thinking these police officers are going to kill me. So you can see him on video trying to tell the police officers something. He's he's shouting something, trying to tell them they're just wrestling the guy on the ground. So what ends up happening is you see the officer, one of the officers, he has a taser in his hand, in his right hand. And so apparently he's trying to tase Rashard Brooks, and Rashard Brooks wasn't happening. He's like, what? Why? Are you, what are you doing? So they wrestle. He ends up taking the taser away from the officer, runs away. Let me repeat that. Runs away from the officer, not run toward the officer, not try to hurt the officer. They were just on the floor on the ground wrestling, two officers and Mr. Brooks. He runs away, and as he's running, you see one officer running behind him who tased uh, Mr. Brooks, and he's holding the taser in his right hand, running behind Mr. Brooks, um, right? And so Mr. Brooks, remember, he has a taser as well now. So he turns slightly to the right to look back, and he like tries to tase the officer. It's a taser. It's not going to kill you. The officers wear body armor. They wear their bulletproof vest. What is a taser going to do to a police officer who's fully dressed out? I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. And it's not a deadly weapon. Matter of fact, the Georgia court is in their statutes that a taser is not viewed as a deadly weapon. That is key here. In Georgia, a taser is not viewed as a deadly weapon. It's not. So he turns around, and of course he tries to tase. Tase never hit the officer. The officer, and keep in mind, this is while they're still running. Mr. Brooks is still running away. You see the officer take the taser from his own right hand, Switch it to his left, reaches for his service weapon, which is on his right hip, points it at Mr. Brooks as Mr. Brooks is running away, shoots him three times in the back. Shoots him three times in the back. Kills him. And that, you see Mr. Brooks go down. He's lying there in the parking lot. And so minutes pass before the officers try to render aid to him because now we know, according to press, press conference I heard tonight, is Mr. Brooks was not dead at that time. He wasn't dead. So what were the officers doing between the time they shot Mr. Brooks and the minutes that were just passing before they tried to render aid. Let me tell you what they were doing because it's on videotape. There are multiple videotapes. They were 
going around the, quote, crime scene, picking up shell casings. Picking up shell casings. That's what is that's what was reported by the many witnesses who recorded the whole thing. And of course, most of what you see on the video was recorded by Wendy's restaurant itself. They're picking up shell casings. See, when you pick up shell casings, it's very hard for investigators to determine about how far away you were when you discharged your weapon. How far away were you from the target, which obviously was Mr. Brooks? It's hard for them to get angles on the trajectory of the um, ammunition you dispensed. So instead of rendering aid to Mr. Brooks, they immediately began to try to cover their tracks. That's why people are so mad. One reason why. There are myriad reasons why people are mad. But it's it's just unbelievable. Well, I shouldn't even say that. It is believable. Again, this country was birthed in rebellion and um and harsh harsh beginnings, harsh tactics, uh being underhanded. This this country was birthed in it. I mean, really. That's why we have the United States, because of rebellion. Not an excuse, but that's exactly what happened. So that's why tonight, if you turn on your television, you're going to see live coverage of what's happening in Atlanta right now. So that Wendy's, you won't be eating there anytime soon because the protesters tonight burned it to the ground in anger. Every law enforcement consultant that has been hired by uh, several of these media outlets, they all say the same thing. When they view the video, they don't see a reason for deadly force, especially when the, quote, suspect, end quote, was running away. And what was his crime? What was the crime? When they, when they walked up on him and took him to the ground, what was his crime? Not what subsequently followed when he wrestled with them. Okay, maybe you can get him for resisting arrest with violence and without violence afterward. But, I mean, what would make you want to arrest him? If you talk to him and you say, well, this guy seems dr- drunk, let's, let's arrest him. Now, there's a, the police are saying they gave him a sobriety test. But all of the witnesses say there was never a sobriety test. They just... The two officers took it upon themselves that they were going to arrest him. And they came back later and said there was a sobriety test. Well, it's going to be interesting in the next couple of days to see if indeed there was a sobriety test. But witnesses say no. So that's where we are. That's where we are in this crazy world that we live in with the Social unrest with Black Lives Matter, of course, I guess it's, I'm going to have to explain it again. No one is saying Black Lives Matter more than anyone else's. They're simply saying that remember that Black Lives Matter just as well as anyone else's life. So when you see these people with these ridiculous signs of all lives matter, that's just an insult. 
And no one can tell me the day or time that a white life never mattered, not in the United States. So the phrase all lives matter is just meant to be mean. It's meant to be cruel. It's, it's just really silly if you think about it, you know. So I don't know. It's hard to explain some people. And that's why we pray. So anyway, I'm just reporting tonight on the events. That's what's occurring in our country. It's very disturbing. I just pray for unity and for peace and that we all come to the knowledge of the truth and that we learn to heal. It's hard to heal when there's been no reconciliation since since slavery. I'll just say it. It's been no real reconciliation. You know, you can't throw Band-Aids at a uh, liver transplant. And we've had a liver transplant. And then, you know, to try to solve civil rights issues, there's been nothing but Band-Aids thrown at that. No, there has to be real reconciliation and real policies on the books that affect change. Real unity between all races. Unity is one of the most beautiful things God ever gave us, unity. When brethren can dwell together, as the Bible says, unity, it should never be about a person's economic status, should never be about the color of their skin, should not be about anything other than the fact that we're all God's creation, and we need to respect that. One is not better than the other, because let me tell you, pride, pride will get you killed, Ask Nebuchadnezzar Pride will get you killed You have to humble yourself before God And know that God didn't make you more special than anyone else You may have gifts that the person next to you may not have But those are just gifts Gifts And Lord gives those out Liberally as he, so, as he sees fit So we're all God's creation, and we need to respect that. I, I wouldn't want to imagine a world or live in a world where the whole world is all black like me. That's no fun. No, I need to have my white brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters, my native Indian brothers and sisters, all of the colors, all of the races that God made. I need them all because I want to celebrate who they are. And I want to tap into their individuality and get to know know some of these people from different cultures and embrace it. Because when God made man and he finished in Genesis, when he made all of the heavens, the earth, the animals and man, guess what he said? He said it was good. So who are these races to make it bad? God said it was good when he made a white man, a black man, an Asian man, a native man. In every other type of man and woman I mean he said it was good So You know people right now Some people who are racist They they weaponize their whiteness By calling cops on black people And there's been a rash of that For the last several years You know calling cops for any stupid thing They see a black person mowing the lawn They call the cops They see a black person trying to go into their own condominium Building, they call the cops. See a black person shopping at a certain store that they don't think they they belong, they call the cops. 
see black people jogging like Ahmaud Arbery, Arbery, who was killed, what, about two months ago, was it? Jogging through a, here we go again, Georgia neighborhood. And three men basically chased him down and killed him, all because he's black and they didn't think he belonged. In that case, we'll be going to trial as well. There's just too many to keep up with. There's too many murders. These are not incidents. These are not, these are flat out murders. That's what they are. And even this week, this week, they found a protester hanging from a tree. I read that article yesterday. Found the body of a protester hanging from a tree, lynched, literally. It's ridiculous. But anyway, I won't hold you much longer. I appreciate your time. I just wanted to get on here. And for me, during this time, I know that I normally go through my my, uh, biblical teachings and I talk about the Lord and stuff, and I still do that, of course, and I'm going to do that. That's who I am. But Talking about these things, I want you to understand, is also therapy for me. Because I am a black man, and, you know, I see things different from what my white counterparts or Asian counterparts may see. Because it's like it's hunting season almost on black America. I said it before, there are two pandemics. There is COVID-19. And there's the pandemic of hate and racism and all must be eradicated from the United States because we never fully address the issue, never fully address the issue, not in earnest, not like we should. It's an uncomfortable situation for many. I get it. But that's the situation we must have. And I just pray for better days. And that we all will love each other the way God intended. Can you imagine a country where it's truly a melting pot and there's nothing but love one for another? Now, you will always, I'm not naive, you always have those individuals who are just are unhappy. They're unhappy with everything. It doesn't matter what you do, what your efforts are. They're going to be unhappy. You can give them a million dollars. They'll find something to be unhappy about. You can tell them you love them every day. They're going to be unhappy about something. Unfortunately, the something is they're unhappy with people who look different from them. So we pray for them. And we don't return evil for evil, but we return love for evil. That's who we are as Christians. That's who we are. And we'll always be better than hate. Always be better than hate. Well, thank you for listening tonight. God bless you. And I want to say, if you don't know who the Lord is, he knows who you are. And if you'd like to meet him and have a one-on-one encounter with the Lord, let me invite you to do that. Romans 10, verse 8 through 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall 
be saved. It's that simple. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord God, please forgive me of all my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. I've been doing wrong. I ask you, Lord, to just clean me up. You are the propitiation of my sin because you died on the cross for me. Your blood covers me. And by faith, I know that you are the son of God and you rose again. Be my Lord and Savior right now. Empower me by the power of the Holy Ghost, as the Bible says in Acts, to proclaim your name and to do your great will. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You said that prayer. You meant it. Welcome to the family of Christ. God bless you. And I just pray for our nation right now. I pray that there be unity where there was none, that there be peace where there was none, that there be common ground where there was none, not just between Democrats and Republicans, but from one neighbor to the next, from one city to the next, from one state to the next, from sea to shining sea, that these United States will be truly united as one and that we will see you high and lifted up, Lord God, and that your spirit will always be hidden in our hearts, Lord God, and we'll put on your righteousness, as the Bible says in Romans. And we'll lay down our filthy rags, and we'll take up your righteousness, and we'll love our brothers and sisters that you have actually given us. We'll love them as ourselves. Because the Bible says in 1 John 4.20, how can a man say he loves God but hate his brother? That man is a liar, the Bible says. And God, we are trusting you and we'll put you first. And we're going to thank you, God. And we just rebuke racism out of this country in the name of Jesus. We cast it out. We command it to go. We send the fire of God behind it to consume it. And that the rest of us, we, that we'll live in peace and holiness and righteousness, Lord. And that we'll show our love for you by how we treat each other. That is our prayer. That is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Elisha Power Ministries. If you have any prayer requests, please reach out to us at Ministries at gmail.com. That's E-L-I-A-S-H-I-B. Power, P-O-W-E-R, Ministries, M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S, at gmail.com. God bless you. God keep you. And may his face always shine upon you. Thank you for listening. God bless.